Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to experience the Gut Check Project, talking science, health, and innovation that you can actually use. But this isn't just another health show. No, no. We're here to have fun and make your time enjoyable. And you'd like to have fun, right? Well, while you are enjoying yourself, know that even though the GCP covers some health topics with healthcare pros, we are not your doctors. So use our show to entertain your mind and not for medical advice. And now, here are your hosts of the Gut Check Project, Dr. Ken Brown and Eric Rieger. Hello, Gut Check Project fans and KBMD Health family. I'm Eric Rieger here, joined by a better man. Dr. Kenneth Brown, what's up, Ken? What's going on, man? So, episode 74, good to have you back. We had a little- 75? Well, it's episode 75, oh, 74. 74, we had a guest host. Just, I was feeling, I was, you know, I was having some abandonment issues, so yeah. I'm glad to have you back. Awesome. Nice. yeah. So, this is episode 75. This is actually going to be the, uh, the beginning of something that a lot of people are really interested in, longevity, health span. What can you do to make sure you stay healthy longer? So, this is going to be the first part in that longevity series, and we're gonna cover a lot of really cool stuff because the science in this is really neat. So it's gonna be a several part series. That sounds good. And of course, as Ken pointed out, this is 75, not 74. I'm thankful that I wasn't replaced. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but something else, the show's growing. And thanks to all of y'all for sharing, writing back an email, texting us, DMing, even though I'm not the greatest at checking DMs, but we have people that help with that. But what helps the show grow the most is when you share with people that you know and that trust you. So even if it's just by text, if you don't mind, take the show, share it with a friend, let them know if there's a little clip that you find uh, interesting. And uh, most of all, thank you so much for supporting the Gut Check Project. Absolutely. Uh, so what's going on in the Rieger household? What's going on? Uh, there's lots and we'll just We'll touch on one thing right now, and that is I'm going to have shoulder surgery next week on Tuesday, and that is some of the big news. Yeah, shoulder surgery. Are, are you nervous? Like, like, what do you, uh, like, you're in healthcare, so when you think about this, you've worked, you did anesthesia for the orthopedist who's going to do that, Wade McKenna, who oh, was on our show. Yeah. So, yeah. Wh so what is the plan? What is it going to do to you? It's uh, scheduled for an uh, arthroscopic surgery. So they go in. Uh, I basically have what they call a full thickness tear of the supraspinatus ligament. And that's one of the four muscles that make up the rotator cuff. And essentially, they go in and what, what uh, McKenna is going to uh, attempt to do is use what they call an anchor and pull the two ligaments together after folding one of them over. And basically it's like, it's like, uh, like Chinese uh, finger cuffs. Remember those? Yeah. And you kind of piece it together like this so that the ligament doesn't continue to pull and tear. And he actually said that I have what they call a type two AC joint. I didn't know that there were these delineations in there, but apparently it just predisposes people for an early wear and tear on ligaments like that. You wouldn't have done anything different anyway, so. I wouldn't have done anything different. And I've been asked multiple times, what did you do? And I was like, I've, I've fallen off of bikes. I've fallen down uh, snowboarding. I've, I've, you know, I threw a football. I don't know. I did a bunch of different things. So there's really no telling. I think it's just wear and tear. It hurts. This isn't. I mean, it's not the worst thing ever, but it's sleeping. Sleeping is what sucks. It's, since he's a stem cell expert, is he going to integrate that in any way? Definitely. So actually, the plan before I ended up having an MRI was to make certain that 
we couldn't just get away with using stem cells. We've talked about this on the show already. He did my left elbow and you saw me. The pain was incredibly bad. I had difficulty turning jars whenever I had, uh, it was called medial epicondylitis or golfer's elbow, but he took stem cells from my anterior iliac crest, which is your front, your front part of your hip, and then spun them down and then injected them. And then it's not an immediate relief, but two months in you, I, I gained some mobility and then by month three and four, pain was definitely decreasing and now nothing, no pain at all. So I'm, I love the idea that he's an orthopedic surgeon and he's a specialist in stem cells because that's actually going to be one of the brief topics we're going to talk about today. And, that and kind just, of thing. just to round out, he is going to take more stem cells after the anchor is placed and then inject them because they're at, uh, the other muscles and tendons that are compensating for the tear, like my biceps, et cetera, uh, Terry's minor, they have endured more stress so the stem cells not only will help repair exactly where he's placing the anchor, but will hopefully repair and prevent further damage to some of the other accessory muscles. Which muscles tore? Supraspinatus. So all those other muscles are just like pissed off at the supraspinatus. You're like, man, that guy does not pull his work That's around here. That's all they're saying. <laughs> Terry's minor is like, this is getting old. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm laying in bed, they are all bitching. <laughs> About everything. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of complaining when I'm laying down at night. I tell you what, it just sucks. It's like laying on my on my left side. Normally, I, I I sleep great on my left side, and my arm will fall like this, and you will wake up. That is not comfortable. Or when I lay on my back, now I throw my my arm up like this just to stay comfortable. Oh, that's miserable. So I, I either put a pillow here on my left side or I lay on my back with my arm over. I, I can't lay on my right side at all. It's painful. So, uh, but the great thing is, is using Wade, the projection is sling for five to seven days, which is fantastic. And probably six to eight weeks, almost full strength, at least good enough to swing a golf club. So I, I plan on testing it. We'll update as we... Have shows. Can he film the whole thing? Because we're talking about going to locals where we can start showing some little more graphic stuff. We would like to bring doctors in. Actually, we're planning on bringing doctors in. Doctors have asked us, and we can do a podcast about, like, let's say, whatever, hysterectomy or something. But then on a different format, like locals, we can actually show what they actually do. That's a really good question. So, um, because I'm fortunate to be so close to Wade, I mean, I just was told... Monday that I'm going to have surgery and I'm doing it next week on Tuesday. So it wasn't a whole lot of waiting, but I'll text him today and find that out because I would like to see it. And actually the anesthesia plan may be non-traditional. So it could be, I have, pretty uh, interesting. I have Wade's cell phone. So don't be surprised if when you show up into the OR, I'm there, camera lights, everything guest host be like, we're here for gut check project 76 to watch Eric undergo this surgery. That doesn't make me nearly as nervous as the <laughs> anesthesia for the procedure itself. So yeah, that would be fine. I would, I would be on board with it. So, well, you're going to do great with that. And it'll be exciting to see how the stem cells, um, augment your, your, your healing process. Yeah. So we're going to share it with everybody. And so that's just, a, we're just the, the good thing about Wade, I didn't mean to cut you off, but the good thing about Wade, whenever you go in to visit someone like this, that's so heavy into the research, and justifying why he's doing certain things. He brought the studies to show that the stem cells uh, and the rate of failure with and without. 
with this type of procedure, with and without. I mean, it, he just had it at the ready. He was like, this is why I do these certain things. And he's passionate about it. Very passionate. So passionate. Yeah. Well, you're going to do great with that. So, um, jumping in here, dude, I came across a news story that I just had to bring up because we've done a whole, we did a whole series, or we didn't do a series. We did that whole show on hemorrhoids and how the uh, smartphone has actually increased hemorrhoids and how people sit. <laughs> Sitting on the you know, toilet? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, this, this story, I found this article, I couldn't believe it. Um, in Washington, the state of Washington, a woman was hiking. She went into a porta potty, accidentally dropped her cell phone into the hole of an outhouse in a national forest, and then, since she was staring at her phone in that, <laughs> she said, I'm getting that phone. She took the toilet apart, yeah. tried to use a dog leash to do it, and then fell in. Huh. Fell into the porta potty outhouse, grabbed her poopy phone, uh -huh. called 911. Okay. And then the fire department came out and uh, they just threw blocks in there till she could like stand up high enough and then they said that they sprayed her down with the hose they're like ma'am you really need to go to the emergency room and she said no and just walked off i'm like what an absolutely miserable experience that phone is gone do not so is this in a way a continuation of the fecal microbial transplant it's just conversation you know how it is if i come across a story that's got a bathroom or poop or anything what, i gotta talk about it well in that particular episode we talked about how Fecal microbial transplants, the donor to the recipient, the recipient can take on the characteristics of the donor. <laughs> so I'm just curious if all of those people uh -oh. who used the commode, if she went from being fat and skinny and angry and happy and just ran the gamut. Maybe we should reach out to her. I don't want to talk to her. <laughs> we'll have to do a call in. I don't think she has a phone. <laughs> <laughs> and then this other article, which is super cool, kind of plays into our longevity, but this is wild. Uh, researchers have figured out that you know how certain animals like they're training dogs to detect seizures and dogs yeah, to look yeah. for stuff and the dogs can smell hypoglycemia with people and they have all these you know service animals that can do certain things mm -hmm. well some researchers took a locust and they made it a cyborg they cut its brain open and they put electrodes on it that connected directly to its antenna and then they had the locust actually go through different cancers oral cancers so they took uh they cultivated cancer cells human uh, cancer cells and then they had normal oral mucosa like normal cheek mm -hmm. and the antenna when it would smell it they could register the electrical pattern and it showed cancer with an uncanny certainty really yeah wild and so they were just discussing that the reason why they did this is because of the sensitivity of the locusts and locusts have been done before. So they're making these cyborg locusts and they would just move it around and they could register what, what it was actually smelling through its antenna. So there could be a time in the future in a longevity world where you're just going to be scanned by a bunch of locusts and they'll be like, oh, this is what you have. This is your electrical map over here. I like how you're drawing the line that they will only try to put in or stop at making cyborgs at locusts. <laughs> I'm a little bit more worried about what kind of animals that they're going to try to put these hybrid machines into. It was, it was a trip. Then of course there's this whole, they, they went into the article about the ethics of it and everything. And, and like, yeah. <laughs> who wants to get, who wants to get down in the, in the dirty of ethics? Yeah, I know. Exactly. So, <laughs> all right. So before we get into this, we got our sponsor that we have to bring up here. 
Autron Teal. It's been a little bit since we've been talking about Autron Teal, but back with the sponsorship, Autron Teal. So A-T-R-A-N-T-I-L. Take it away. Lovemytummy.com forward slash K-B-M-D. Lovemytummy.com forward slash KBMD. That's where you will always find the most up-to-date discounts that we can offer here from the Gut Check Project. So Atrantil, if you have bloating or any digestive issues, it's very, very good for that clinical trials on that. But what we're learning a lot about is the benefit of the polyphenols. We know that if you take in a certain amount of polyphenols, you actually have the anti-aging effect, the anti-inflammatory. And the big one, it helps with dementia. So your daily dose of polyphenols in Atrantil. So that is our sponsorship right there. So do me a favor and go to lovemytummy.com forward slash KBMD. All right, let's do the podcast here. Let's do the podcast. So this is going to be a series on longevity, longevity, health span, living longer, living healthy. What's the point of doing all this stuff if you're not going to be around? It is so popular right now. So books like Lifespan, The Longevity Solution, podcasts by like Peter Atia, Rhonda Patrick, David Sinclair, they're all talking about this. It's all about the health span. What can we do to stay healthy? And that's what I want this series to be. We were in Croatia, and that's what we were, That's what the panel that I was on that we mm-hmm. talked about right. on the episode yeah. 73. But when I'm reading this stuff, and quite honestly, when I'm listening to these guys, mm-hmm. even David Sinclair, um, Andrew Huberman, Rhonda Patrick, it is science-y. Super sciencey. When I've talked to my patients about referring them to some of these other podcasts, they're like, it's a little much. It's hard to it's hard to swallow. So we're gonna try and make sure that it is very palatable and people can digest this in different aspects. Today what I wanted to do is start with the kind of cool futuristic stuff. Okay. And work our way back to the science. Okay. So in other words, what we're gonna talk about today, you really wanna pay attention to because you want to be able to use some of these things when they're widely available. Because right now, it's still kind of in the research aspect of some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. But you want to be able to use some of this stuff. So you want to stop the aging process now so that, you know, Eric Rieger, at your age, when you can turn 80, you can reset your clock to certain stages. That's kind of the future. Some of this stuff is almost like science fiction. I'm pretty amazed by how many people it seems like over the last 10 to 15 years have dedicated so much time and energy to doing that. And really, I think uh, some of the earlier parts, and I don't want to steal any thunder from what we're going to hit on today, but just simple things like restricting time consumption of diet and everything that Victor Longo did. You didn't mention him, but I mean, there's lots of really, really cool stuff that he talked about with intermittent fasting or fasting itself and what that did for longevity and cellular health. That kind of stuff I think is amazing because it's actually things that anyone can implement if they want to. Oh, hundred percent. That's going to be probably a podcast on itself because talking about, this is one of the other things that when you sit there and say, Oh, you should fast or you should exercise, you should do whatever, or you should sauna or you should, you know, cold plunge. Well, what helps me is knowing what's going on. Yeah. I want to know why you can push through those walls when you know what's going on at a cellular level. And that's, and those, those will be those future episodes. That's a really good point. As we go through this, I think it's, this, uh, probably bears repeating, but we've said this in the past. I like great new discoveries. So do you. The, but the critical point is, is understanding why something is happening because 
even the most well-intentioned um, solutions or modalities or things like that that promise great results, if they can't explain it and they can't continuously reproduce the great result, it it makes you wonder, is the person behind this actually understanding what's happening or is this real? How am I differentiating this particular series and outcome from this one over here? So it's uh, it's critically important, I think, to understand why something's happening. A hundred percent, which is why I wanted to start with the kind of fun, easy to discuss, uh, playful stuff. Okay. And then work our way to, this is the, some of it's work, like fasting, you know, some people are, would, would look at that. So, sure. so today this is just kind of the cool stuff where this is where it's all heading. Okay. And so let's talk about, well, like the first thing, something can, kind of interesting. How old are you? You've been given an age, but we can sit there and take two people, take two people that are 50 years old and they can look 20 years different. Without you know? question. And, you know, that's, we put, I don't know why that did that. I, at any time Ken says 50 years old, the computer beeps. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, you can have people that look completely different at that age. So what is their biologic clock? Right. And that's kind of the question. As it turns out, Tons of companies are trying to figure this out, and there's different ways to do it. Something that people were talking about for a long time was telomeres. telomeres do you remember that? Yeah, definitely. And then trying to uh, lengthen telomeres and processes to do so. Exactly. So the telomeres are on the ends of your chromosomes, and it, it's theorized that when they shrink, that's basically your your lifeline being decreased. And I remember Rhonda Patrick did a whole thing on this where she was describing these telomeres and then everybody tries to develop something that says this will lengthen your telomeres. And we did a study, but as it turns out, these telomeres are really variable. And she actually brought up that when she was um, uh, not sleeping because of her young child, she did her telomeres then and they were mm -hmm. drastically different than when she had just done it a little bit before. Mm -hmm. So the whole telomere thing, people are starting to move away from. When they were describing the the necessity of telomeres, just to kind of put some context around it. Every time a cell divides, then the end caps, the protection uh, for basically your genetic code are telomeres. And it's supposed to be protecting it so that the next time that the cell needs to be replicated, that it's done so with little error or no error. And it's, if I understand correctly, or if I recall correctly, the telomeres being shortened basically opened up the genetic code for deviation or mutation, which could lead to premature cell death or just aging. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And this is what's really interesting. So the telomeres is like the visual aspect, the gross aspect of going, oh, here. Well, the evolution to this is now new biologic clocks, mm -hmm. like the Horvath clock. And what these other, and there's dozens of companies doing this right now. So what they realized is, oh, it's not so much just the shortening of the telomeres. It's actually, we need to look at DNA methylation. Okay. So DNA methylation, uh, fancy, but basically in the course of your life, the aging process takes place. You have environmental influences, lifestyle factors, such as smoking, lack of sleep, diet, if you're eating a really shitty diet, these all induce a biochemical alteration in your DNA. And basically what ends up happening is it leads to these methyl groups, which are just these little carbon groups mm -hmm. that they just kind of get wedged in there. They get wedged into particular DNA segments. This actually changes the coding of the DNA and the belief is that those methyl groups sort of stop the transcription of whatever protein it's supposed to do. And so essentially, this is what we describe as epigenetics. Mm -hmm. Your environment messing with your genes. 
I always thought of epigenetics as, oh, you're predisposed to something, but this is also epigenetics. And so it's a super hot field. And what they're able to do is they can see how much methylation is taking place. So they go, oh, Eric Rieger, you're 40 years old, but your biologic age due to your lack of methylation and your use of polyphenols shows that you're actually 22. So as long as we can continue to do something like this and you can stay the course, barring any trauma or, you know, bad anesthesia during a surgery, you're going to, (laughs) you know, be 20 years younger than your stated age. So it's super cool. And so what's happening now is these companies are figuring a way to do this very economically. Now, the downside to this, oh, I'm sorry, let me explain how they figure this out. They check the DNA methylation and then what they've done is they've looked at just you know, thousands and thousands of people and they go, okay, this person's 50 and they have these diseases and they do this and uh-huh. then they, and then they run it through AI. And so artificial intelligence then spits out that, oh, when you have this methylation here, this is associated with this and it's all artificial intelligence driven. Some of the experts say, well, the problem is, is that they're looking at people that, you know, from 30 years ago, cause that's where they're getting the data. So it's a retrospective data looking at this seeing what's going on. And so some people say that really what we need is to see the rate of aging. Kind of makes sense in the sense that you can, like your telomere length, you can increase and decrease depending on whatever you're going through in life. You can increase or decrease your methylation process depending where you're at. Mm -hmm. If you're, I mean, you're kicking ass right here. You're living in Decatur, Texas. It is beautiful. It's open. And then it's like, Eric, we just opened up the new facility in Shanghai where the pollution's different then that pollution could lead to more methylation. So there's, it's not an end all, but it's a big business right now. People are really trying to figure this out. So you can go in and say, I'm 20 years younger than my stated age. It's interesting that you brought up pollution because really anything, or, or then smoking, um, but anything that would contribute to an overall environmental stress stressor is probably going to induce more methylation or shortening of telomeres or whatever it happens to be that's that's uh, shortening the health span correct yeah correct but it's 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 a measure so that you can sit there and say look i i know that you think that your that your lack of sleep is not hurting you. i know this but really what we're seeing here is and then maybe it's something that as a physician i could sit there and go this is we really need to change these aspects Mm -hmm. and now let's see if we can make a difference in your methylation in a three-month period or something like that so you can continue the trend not just go exercise and lose weight or whatever so you just said a key word though trend so are they if they're really watching someone are you saying that they're probably taking like a series and then just comparing how someone is aging and that's probably going to be like the best snapshot for someone to understand how they're aging i'm trying to catch up with where if, if they're I can understand why they don't want to look at 30 year old samples, right? Yeah. But if they are wanting to be really acute with someone specific, are they doing like a series or? That is a great segue because no, that's the argument by other experts like Peter Atia, who actually addressed this specifically on one of his podcasts where he was saying the problem with this is we don't have any real data. Basically it's become business in front of the science. Oh, no way. I know. So (laughs) all these companies are using that. And then they're using that. And then supplement companies are hooking up with them saying, we want to put people on the supplement and then you're going to show us that the methylation improves. So that's exactly what he said is the problem with these particular clocks. I mean, we've seen this. I won't go out on but we've seen tests come and go where they... 
yes, they're detecting things in certain types of bodily samples, but the problem is, what do you do with this information? And are we even, is this snapshot valuable? So I am excited about the idea that we can look at that. But, but there's, yeah. There's got to be an approach. What he was saying is that they don't even have animal models to show where the trend goes. So it's like you can check this methylation, here's your age, but they don't have enough. And right now it's cost prohibitive to say, Eric, come back every month. Oh, We're yeah. going to do this. I can only imagine. You know, until it's, it's, more, it, it's more reasonable to do run these tests all the time, then it'll be really difficult to try and get trends. And so, uh, you know, he comes back to the boring stuff. He's like, you know, to really <laughs> sit there and do this, we want to look at, you know, as we age, when he works with uh, his patients, I, I he said, I like grip strength. We need to look at their muscle mass. I need to know what their hemoglobin A1C is. Let's look at their highly sensitive CRP inflammatory markers, ApoB, VO2 max, and stuff that is like, oh, yeah, that's back to the basics. It is the basics. And guess what? Every single one of those things demonstrates is if you are proficient in or on the right side of every single one of those tests, you probably have a reasonably balanced stress life. I mean, no stress is impossible, but it's how are you coping with that? Yeah. You wouldn't have great grip strength if you didn't have a good, well-balanced life that your muscle strength could can contain that, right? And yeah. the same thing with, well, everything else that you listed. So I challenge for everybody out there, here's the, here's the Gut Check Project challenge. He was describing how long you can hang. Oh, yeah. And what he was on Rogan talking about that, where he was saying, like, what does he try to get his male patients to do? Uh, his goal for male patients, and he's, he started off really, like he said that it wasn't anywhere much north of 25 or 30 seconds, but his goal long-term was to get them to, I think, is either a minute and a half or two minutes. And then, and then of course, you and I went into a competition phase of seeing how yeah, long we Yeah, so can. then, yeah, so my <laughs> challenge is to you, everyone that's listening, is next time you're at the gym, go up to the pull-up bar, just jump up, look at the clock, and hang, because my record is a minute 40 and your record is two minutes 14 seconds that's so good yeah that's so so good it's not right now my shoulder doesn't really like it so much no, I, <laughs> <laughs> you were trying so hard to beat me that you <laughs> yeah that's, that's how i did it so anyways so now we can uh, the whole gist of this is we can start looking at biologic age uh now the the side that I start thinking about, which is also our conspiracy side is, oh my gosh, wait a minute. Are they going to start saying, okay, I'm going to go get life insurance. Ah, let's see what your biological age is. There was no doubt. I mean, yeah. they all, I, they already do that. They do it with, with uh, technologies that they can, that they can use to justify why they're charging either a premium or just completely de denying coverage. Exactly. So next technology space. Okay. The wearables. U.S. consumers are using these wearables, and it's increased to 33%, from 9% to 33% in four years. And wearables, you know, what I mean by that is all different kinds of stuff that's coming out. According to uh, research that's going on right now, the number of health and fitness app users using these wearables will stay around 84 million right now. So many people, and what are we talking about? Rings, watches, clothing, helmets, tracking all this kind of stuff, the least of which is sleep quality. So we've got Fitbit, Apple Watch, the Whoop Bands, the Aura Rings. Now they've got wearable EKGs, wearable blood pressure monitors. Just two days ago, I saw 
that uh, there's a company that has developed a temporary graphene tattoo that they actually put temporary tattoos on your wrist and it does a 24 hour measuring of your blood pressure and it's extremely accurate. This is a trip. So you just kind of put yeah. that on there. It's a trip. It stresses me out because it's data going somewhere. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. I mean, I, I think previous to the pandemic, I don't know that I paid that much attention to it. And now anything that is extracting data for me or my fam, I'm like, I don't know if I like that. I, I can't help it. But it's, that's what I'm always wondering, like, who is reading this? Why is this such a good deal? Why are they giving this to me for free? Yeah. Just anything like that. And there's just, and there's so many companies that are trying to develop some of this stuff. So I get that it really helps some people to keep track sure, of that. Yeah. When I had my aura ring, um, and that's a, that's a great device. I was obsessed with my sleep to the point where I was stressing myself out. Weren't you doing R, uh, HRV with that too? Oh, it does HRV, you know, and it does, but it's all. But that was a, that was like one of the coolest uh, features of that aura ring is because it was one of the more up to date, you know, single person could do HRV, and we were really kind of digging into yeah. what that meant for energy, everything. Else. Yeah, and so we can sit there now. Um, I I do want to. Uh, Shout out to somebody. So uh, Apollo wearables, Apollo, Dr. David Rabin, psychiatrist, PhD, developed the Apollo. And this is really cool because this is like the anti-wearable um, stress device because what it does is it actually senses and it uses a vibration, vibration yeah. a vibration to actually calm you down and, and, and turn on your parasympathetic. And what they did show, this is interesting, they've had six clinical trials and we'll have him on the podcast and get deep into it. But this is kind of cool because it's almost like, I'm stressing out about my whoop band. Well, then you need to wear the Apollo, you know, de-stressor kind of thing so that you're not getting all worked up about that. But they showed that it increased heart rate variability well, people wore an aura ring, so they're using this to improve some of these metrics. I thought that was kind of cool. Dude, honestly, hanging out with him and having him explain, just like Wade, very, very passionate is, is David to find a solution to help people manage stress, get their heart rate variability uh, maximized. I mean, it, I enjoyed listening to and watching him do it. And then, of course, wearing the device. It, you could either wear it on the wrist, you could wear it on your ankle. And after you applied it, it was, you didn't notice it at all. I didn't think. Yeah. It's so that's cool. And then, um, something that really everybody should probably look into this a little bit more are these continuous glucose monitors. So like I've wore, there's Dexcom, there's the Freestyle Libre, and then the consumer one is level. Mm -hmm. So level is uh, basically you just learn what foods spike your particular glucose. Like for instance, when I was wearing my Dexcom, uh, I didn't realize that, uh, if I had a little fat with a carb, I didn't really spike it. And if I had just rice or if I did a little uh, sushi, mm -hmm. I was spiking it a little bit. Right. And then the thing that I learned the most from it was I love Thai food. And <laughs> yeah, we ordered Thai food and I could not believe what my glucose jumped up to. And then I realized how much hidden sugar in some of these Asian restaurants that they put in. No, no wonder we like it so much. Yeah. So Carla and I have been going, and we've been, uh, whenever we order Thai food, we, we say, hey, we, uh, can you make it no sugar? 
And you'd be surprised at how many restaurants are incapable of. They're like, no, it's already pre-made. It's already, you know, pre. We did find a couple that can do that. And it's a distinct difference in taste, but still good. Definitely. So, and then my, my blood sugar didn't spike like that. So that was kind of something I learned. I'm like, wow. So now I kind of watch it. So wearable glucose monitors, I think that's super cool. They can even have some that you, you can check with your doctor that'll sit there and do that. So bottom line is... These wearables are really big business. They're eventually going to get to the point where you can just put on one sensor and it'll probably have glucose, blood pressure, you know, sleep and everything. And it's all just, uh, it's it probably just funnels straight to China immediately. <laughs> with And it pairs up with your 23andMe report right there yeah. so that they know exactly what's going on. So I was having a conversation with a friend uh, recently. We were talking about personal devices measuring uh, sleep patterns, HRV, blood pressure, whatever. Lots of different things that you can do at home. And one of the questions I asked was, okay, so you had this particular result. What do you think caused it? And then that it spurned a completely different conversation because the result on one particular part wasn't what that friend wanted as the result and wanted better sleep, for instance. And I immediately thought, okay, it is important to recognize when someone doesn't get enough sleep or that someone's blood sugar is too high or fill in the blank on what the data result is. But the yeah. more important thing, I think, is what, number one, is causing that to happen. And then ultimately, what can I do to improve this? So we talk about these elements and data for me personally, I, I want to get to a point where I'm not worried about my daily data, okay? I, I want to be able to hone in what's best for Eric and his health span so they can just live and enjoy life. And I, I don't, I can see the need to track data and understand where your baseline is or to check in occasionally. I'm hoping that as we move through lo longevity talk that we're not moving into an era, and I don't think that we are, but moving into an era where everything is just instant data driven because then you're just a walking algorithm. And that doesn't sound like a whole lot of living to me. Does that make sense? No, totally. I totally agree with you. It's like, you, know, like you go get your biologic clock. Next thing you know, I'm like starting to smoke. I'm like, I just, I've got plenty of room here, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking up smoking. I, I'm not methylating enough. This is going to totally work out for me. I do not have enough retirement to live as long as my biologic clock says. I'm tired of saving. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, oh, you just go get that biologic clock done. And um, I see you come back and you're driving a Ferrari. And I was like, oh, lots of methyl. No, so much methylation. So much methylation. I'm <laughs> retiring today. <laughs> All right. So now, so that was kind of what what's happening that you can at least get your hands on right now. Now we're going to talk about some stuff that is a little bit more futuristic. Okay. A little bit on the fringe, and each one of these topics can easily be their own podcast. And definitely the next one we're going to have ours, our own podcast because I know a couple experts in this, and I'm just going to gloss over it really quick. But I want to uh, talk about peptides. Nice. Yeah. So peptides, uh, basically the science of peptides is that we know how certain large proteins work. For instance, we know how growth hormone works. Well, scientists are now realizing, well, it's not the whole molecule that you really need. Right. You just need this little chunk of it. And we're, it's not big enough to be called a whole protein, but it's just a chunk of that protein. So we're going to call that a peptide. Mm -hmm. And so now people have learned that we can start looking at this at, at 
all different kinds of things, and they're manufacturing peptides. And apparently, it's not that hard to manufacture, which means there's a lot of shitty peptides out there. True. But th- some of the stuff that they can do is really wild. It's like, for instance, so all this is is a smaller portion of a larger protein. So, and I learned about this years ago from bodybuilders and stuff. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? And it's, they have really crazy names and it just seems like they they just say it matter of fact, like BPC, you know, BPC 157. Oh, you need to try some thymosin alpha and all. And so now I'm looking into it and it's really wild. So for instance, if you have inflammation, Mm -hmm. so if you have inflammation, BPC 157, thymosin alpha have been shown to significantly decrease inflammation. So some of, uh, if you injure yourself, this is what you go on the peptide. And mm-hmm. so it's like having a rapid and people like Ben Greenfield did a whole podcast on that where he called it healing like Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And he had some experts on discussing that. If you're trying to put on muscle mass, then there's these growth peptides that are all portions of different molecules. There's semorelin, tesamorelin, ipamorelin, CJC125 and GHRP and IGF, which is growth hormone releasing peptide and insulin-like growth factor. All of these have been shown to distinctly increase muscle mass. We'll talk about that in a later episode that as you're doing that, you're decreasing your lifespan also because it turns on mTOR. And that's a whole separate thing. So it's, it's pretty interesting. Increasing metabolic demand. You're increasing metabolic yeah. demand. We know that if you if you want to live that lifestyle, and bodybuilders know this, yeah. they know that it's a trade-off. It They're probably is. shortening their life for the life that they have right now to really kind of enjoy. And then there's fat loss ones. And so fat loss ones like AOD, HGH frag, which is a uh, human growth hormone fragmentation. This uh, creates some muscle growth and fat loss. I mean, it sounds really, really sexy where you're just like, oh, and then I'll, then there's MOTC. MOTC improves mitochondrial function, mm-hmm. uh, insulin sensitivity, and they've got studies showing how good it works on uh, fatty liver. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the working our way from inflammation to, you know, the growth, the bodybuilding, and then MOTC. Now we're getting into some uh, mitochondrial function. And then uh, the Russians have done a lot of research on two that are called like one C-max, one Selenc. What's fascinating about this is Selenc is a very potent anxiolytic and it increases GABA and C-max is a very potent vasodilator and increases serotonin. So much so that they've got protocols in Russia where if you have a stroke, Mm -hmm. they use that. Uh, They use C-max to try and increase the blood flow and improve that. Both of them increase BDNF, brain-derived neurofactor. So this is, that's fascinating. And then there's other ones, uh, melanotan and PT-141. Melan- oh, your skin dark, won't it? It does, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, so you actually increase. Actually, not only that, it also makes you uh, very promiscuous. Indeed it does. It is a, increases libido significantly, and it's being used for erectile dysfunction. Yeah. So, and the reason, what's really fascinating about these, since it's, a small peptide of a larger natural protein that your body produces, Yeah, the side effect profile is like none. It's wild, right? It's wild. Melanotan. The side effect profile, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. Okay. The side effect profile of a properly made purified peptide is none. There's some problems when people are doing some bathtub peptides. <laughs> <laughs> you end up 
I'm sorry. No, no, that, that was it. I was going to talk about melanotan, like one of the uh, one of the cool aspects of, at least in the applications I'd read about previously. It's been a while since I've read about it, but uh, they were trying to treat uh, some people who were like hypersensitive to sun, and then like literally oh. getting uh, it's not sunburn. Uh, man, I'm I'm going to screw this up. Not sun toxicity. There's a heat shock. As a heat shock, I'm 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 really stalling here trying to come up with it but uh, people can get sick from too much sun it's oh they got really really hot that's what you're talking about yeah damn, really damn, hot. Like, damn it, i'm sweating <laughs> no but uh so there were these experimental uh, dermatologists i believe and they were using melanotan to get their melanocytes to at least try to give them some protection i mean i i think they were basically straight albino and they oh, just wow. weren't producing it so the results were it was awakening the this almost complete lack of functioning melanocytes, which I thought was rather fascinating. But the side effect was they were they were well they were all just really horny, <laughs> and and there really wasn't any downside to it. That was what they they came away with. So I thought that was kind of fascinating. I still wonder though when we've talked about whole versus part. Yeah, and we've done that a lot from you know, a natural solution versus a pharmaceutical derived solution. I'm not saying that the side effect profile can't be mitigated. I highly doubt though, over the long run that we won't find that there's something to watch out for either in dose or application or something like that. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. It's still early. I mean, it's, they've been around in Russia for a long time and they've, they've made circles in fringe sports and stuff, but yeah, you're, you're exactly right. What I was laughing about when they, uh, the side effect of making them super horny. It's like, Hey, you can go outside now. Nope. Don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then this one is, <laughs> this one is super cool. Uh, there's a lot of research going on in something called exosomes. Yeah. So if you remember in cellular endocytosis, exocytosis, mm -hmm. well, as it turns out, naturally our cells spit out little vesicles that carry all kinds of stuff. It carries proteins in it, carries RNA, carries DNA in it. And those little vesicles float around and they have ways of knowing which cells are supposed to interact with to share information. Super complex, super, super cool, wild. They're so tiny that it's like smaller than a virus and they, they this is going on all the time. Uh, this is science fiction completely. So as it turns out, these are little lipid particles, so they stay stable and they carry mRNA and DNA and they just carry information. And the fascinating thing is there's companies right now that have realized that they've learned to extract these exosomes. Yeah. There's companies that are on the diagnostic side, so they can sit there, take your blood, spin it out, look for these exosomes, mm -hmm. and then realize, oh, um, Eric, We've got some exosomes that are carrying pancreatic cancer uh, material. Yeah. So we know that somewhere, maybe it's not very big, whatever. So they can sit there and say that. Once again, a little bit scary in the sense that what does that mean if it's just a microparticle that your body would have fought off anyways? Yeah. Or this is what it is. So there's giant companies that are doing that from a diagnostic standpoint. And then there's giant companies going, oh, this is a drug delivery system. It definitely is a drug delivery system, and I didn't bring any notes with me, but maybe if we dive in deeper on another episode on this, there are actually research laboratories that have experimented with weaponizing uh, exosomes. So, 
I don't have a lot of material to go off of. No, this is this is a quick overview of this. Yeah, the wild we stuff get into that's that, out there because that is because some of this you're like, oh, that's so fascinating. And you're like, oh my gosh, in the wrong hands, this is horrible. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I feel like that you're introducing technology and I'm sitting over here going, I don't know if we want that. (laughs) (laughs) The reason why we're doing this is so that on the next episodes where people go, yeah, I'm just going to fast. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to sleep. Not going to give away my data. Not going to not going to have weaponized exosomes coming at me. Um, Kind of on the same line of exosomes. You know, the stem cells that we've talked about, we did a whole, we did a whole podcast on that. I only bring that up because although that isn't as groundbreaking, Mm -hmm. but we know in the U S there's been rules when Wade was with Neil Reardon in the Panama clinic, they had a little more liberties, but, uh, this is one of the reasons we were talking about this on the last episode. One of the reasons why people are saving cord blood, you can save cord blood, bank it so that if your child later on develops something, you can take that, those stem cells and grow stuff. Did you, did y'all do that with either of, you, either of your kiddos? Yeah, no, man. It was before the time. Like people just weren't saying it. I did it. I did it with the youngest one. Really? Yeah. We were offered. Um, and so we, we took them up on it and, um, still stored somewhere up in Massachusetts, I think alpha, alpha cord or something like that. But yeah, they, and they literally came in and did exactly that. They took the cord, uh, inserted a needle and it fills up this bag and then you sign that it's exactly what it is and then you're given the certificate and then literally every year i think we pay a storage fee of i don't know 50 bucks 60 bucks something like that wow yeah i didn't uh, i'm a bad dad i was gonna say (laughs) it was before my time but your kids are older than mine (laughs) i didn't want to point that out but yeah i'm just a bad dad i probably sat there and went i gotta pay to have the store i got a freezer yeah i'm gonna gonna go ask lloyd do we have any vials of you know, cord blood sitting around. You're probably like, we don't need that. We got a whole jar of exosomes. <laughs> I know. Right. So the, the whole point of this is that even with stem cells, like, yeah. like Wade explained to me when I had my stem cells done, he did a bone marrow aspirate, took my bone marrow out and then mixed it with, um, pluripotent stem cells, meaning stem cells that can become anything at all. Mm-hmm. The downside is that it's my, you know, 51 year old stem cells that are there. So the idea is that if you take young stem cells that have been frozen, mix it with young pluripotent stem cells and you have young, young. So that's the only downside to that. Um, and then the stem cells lead to something really fascinating, which is cellular reprogramming. Okay. Now this one is truly science fiction. So basically there's something was discovered that are now called the, the Yamanaka factors. Yamanaka factors are five genes that were actually discovered that, can grow they can be um become that's where we come from are these five genes and so people have been trying to figure out what to do with this and so as it turns out you can put these yamanaka factors in a certain environment and they will start to grow so the thought was that you take this you put it anywhere and it'll become anything Mm -hmm. problem is what they learned is they will just grow into a teratoma so basically these Yamanaka factors, these five factors, the way I understand it is it grows unregulated. And so it can just be anything. So that's not a good thing. But people like David Sinclair realize that what they're done is if you, if you, that's a hundred percent of the Yamanaka factors, if they do 80%. If they use three of them, mm-hmm. then that is selective growth of what they need. And he showed that he took uh, mice and cu- uh, severed their optic nerves. Okay completely severed it, took these three Yamanaka factors in a dish and grew uh, essentially 
pluripotent cells and injected it and the optic nerve grew back and the mice could see. Literally nerve growth right there. So this is fascinating because the belief is you can cellular reprogram to a certain age. Think of the uh, the uh, the application of that because it was probably a completely mechanical severing of the yes. of the nerve. Yeah, and then it regenerated and not only reconnected, but the the pathway was appropriate. That's impressive. So. Yeah, it's it's um, very impressive, and so that was kind of cool. There's a, and one final thing. Um, there's a researcher named Greg Fahey who's got a study where he looked at middle-aged men and he put them on a combination of growth hormone, metformin, and DHEA, mm-hmm. which is a pro-hormone. Mm-hmm. And in the year that he had them, he showed them regress two years in their biological age. So it's wild that all these people are looking at looking at this. So, two, Could you say that again? Two years so back from So my that? understanding was he followed them for a year uh-huh. and they didn't age a year. They actually regressed a year. Uh-huh. So essentially they saved two years. So in theory, if you did that, you could not only not age, but biologically decrease your age. So the thought of being a hundred and some is is a real possibility. Yeah, but think of the of the reverse there. So he did, he did that just in one year, and and that was the success that he saw. So then I'm I'm really curious what happens when he checks back in with them at five years. What is their what's their proficiency? Could they only throw a football you know today, forty yards, and then he sees them in five years, and now he's 60 yards. I don't know. Be kind of cool. I see what you're talking about. You're going to have all these, like, you know, now coming on the field, age 82, yeah. 100-yard touchdowns. Roger Staubach has not <laughs> retired. <laughs> coming back. I love it. You know, one of the things, uh, I was talking to Lucas about this. Uh, Lucas, my son, and we were talking about overpopulation. So the idea is, oh, my gosh, what about overpopulation? And he brought it up. And he's like, we're so far from overpopulation yeah. because what happens is overpopulation is just a lack of resources. Mm-hmm. So you could be overpopulated with two people yes. in an area with yes. no resources. hundred percent. But there's so much more we can do to increase the resources. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, the whole separate topic, but Travis Schwartz's yeah, company. Vertical farming. Vertical farming. The the, uh, the uh, Grow Glide. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to produce that, then all of a sudden you don't have that. Now, imagine a world where we have resources for everybody. People live to 120, 130, 140. Mm-hmm. They have multiple careers throughout their life. And now the professors at the universities are people with 140 years of experience. They're mentally there. They can teach. Those are people that we want to actively producing for society. And then one day they just die. And that the healthcare burden that that takes away the, the, I mean, it's, it's, it's an exciting thought that if we did it right, there would be no overpopulation. Mm -hmm. We could, people that would live longer would be productive members of society and it would not be a burden financially on Basically, healthcare, housing, things like that. Because right now, the problem is it's an epidemic of dementia. It's an epidemic of basically inability to provide for yourself. And that that's what's so exciting about longevity. And that's why everybody has to listen to this kind of stuff. And we're not experts in it. I'm just trying to summarize it in a way that makes sense in this simple country butt doctor's brain. <laughs> so... 
Yeah, that last one is a heavy topic in and of itself. Oh, yeah. We could probably spend hours on that alone. Uh, now, I'm extremely excited to cover all of these things for longevity because ultimately it still gets back to why we decided to do in part the show. And that is how do we help people live more fruitful, healthful lives? Health span needs to match your lifespan as close as possible. And regardless of someone's uh, interests or what their family dynamic is or what their religious aspirations are or their spirituality, everyone wants to make the most of their life. And the best way to do it is to make certain that your health is going to match however long it is that you're going to live. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to be awake and be around and miss out on activity. Yeah, or the worst, forget everything. Oh, just have no out question. Yeah, that's 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 why my massively transformative goal is to cure dementia. I'm Absolutely. just going to keep saying that 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 I believe we can do that using polyphenols and such. So, um, because we're heading down this longevity thing, oh, yeah. just Let's super quick, uh, and we're going to get into why these are there. But on our store on kbmdhealth.com, if you know about this, then. I, you don't really, uh, you can just go there and purchase this right now, but we are carrying true niogen, which is nicotinamide riboside. I'll explain why that's important, but if you know, you'll understand this is a physician only line. We have podiapin. If you've ever, if you know anybody that has MTHFR, then you'll understand why you want to take this. And we actually have rectalusion CBD suppositories. And if you have certain inflammatory diseases in your colon in that area, you'll understand why to take that. So just want to say for the niche people that understand what these three products are, go to kbmdhealth.com. You can get them on our website now. And we're going to go into detail in the future about all that. But I just thought I'd throw that out because we just put those up. And if you go to kbmdhealth.com, be sure to join our community. It's growing every single day. And, uh, you know, you click on a couple of different things. You never know. You might just get a special video from this guy or this guy or somebody else on our team that helps out. So um, more importantly, please like and share the program. And we are interested in what you think of the show and what you want out of it because that's, really what drove today's topic. And so here we are. And uh, for all of y'all that wrote in and asked, please tackle longevity. This guy said, let's do it. And uh, here we are. There we are. Yeah. So, all right. Thank you so much. I guess this wraps it up for episode 75. 75. Y'all take care. We'll see y'all next time. Have a great day. That's a wrap for this episode of the Gut Check Project. And we appreciate you for being a part of it. Be sure to follow us on your favorite platform for podcasts. You can find the GCP on Locals, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Rumble, and more. And you can always check out gutcheckproject.com to find all episodes and interact with the show. Tell your friends and family not to wait to get Gut Checked.